Before we come to God's word, let's just come before him and ask him to open our hearts to what he's saying. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we come in humble submission before your living word today, help us to remember once again that it's your breathed out word to us, the very thoughts of God given to us. And so, Lord, as we read your word, we rely on you, Lord, through your spirit to make these words alive to us. And Lord Jesus, change us so that we can start living in the way that you want us to live as directed in your word. So help us now in our weakness to understand, to absorb, and then to obey. We ask this because you are our all-powerful God, the one who knows our hearts, and the one who's in the business of changing human lives. Amen. So before we read this passage, just a bit of a framework again, because we haven't been here for a couple of weeks. And that's that in Hebrews chapter 11, we are reminded that we, he's writing to Hebrew believers who are starting to doubt starting to doubt in their walk before Jesus Christ and go back to the old ways, to the Judaistic rituals, to a form of faith. And he's saying, no, you need to cling to Jesus Christ. You need to cling to real faith. And so he reminds them what faith looks like. And that's what we've been looking at in chapter 11. We saw that in verse 1 of chapter 11, that beautiful definition, and I'm going to read it again. Faith is the confidence... That what we hope for will actually happen, it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So there's a surety of something, there's a surety of this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the surety of this hope that we have in Jesus Christ is called faith. And that surety leads to conviction. Conviction to walk our lives following Jesus Christ in our everyday lives, all right? So there's the double aspect there. There's a assurance and then there's a conviction. So that's the first thing we saw in verse 1. And then in verse 6 we saw that faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm going to read that verse. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must firstly believe that God exists and secondly that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Without faith, it doesn't matter how religious we live, it's all for nothing. Only through faith, given to us by God, does God see our works before Him and they glorify Him. So that's roughly summarizing there. And then what he does from here on, the rest of chapter 11, he looks at various human examples. In other words, faith in human clothes. What does that look like? And yes, they're all dead guys and girls, but... They, li they are living examples to us. And so we looked at the life of Abel. And Abel brought that sacrifice before the Lord. And it was only accepted before God because his heart was right with God. Cain's heart was not right with God. And he, his sacrifice was not accepted. And then we looked at Enoch. His daily walk before the Lord was right. The step-by-step -step daily existence. His faith in action. And then we looked at Noah. Man, he got a big task. 
build an ark in the middle of the desert. Okay. And he started. You see, what he does, the writer of the Hebrews, is he takes faith and he tries to make this intangible thing called faith, he tries to make it real. He tries to make it tangible. Because you and I need to see a tangible example of faith. Why? Because we are living faith lives now in 2022. All right? So that's where we've been um, in chapter 11. Let's read the passage for today, then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 19. We're looking at a different example now. It's all about good old Abe, Abraham, today. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham, verse 10, was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the, sea on the seashore, and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people, look at this verse, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. The Greek, the Greek word there is the word greeted. They welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. But if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they looked forward, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Now, I realize that people have preached books, I mean, written books and preached sermons just on single verses here, but that's outside our scope this morning. We have to go through at a bigger picture. Is there anyone here who can tell me what's going to happen later today? Anyone? We think we know what's going to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen. You think you're going to get to your lunch, but who knows? And if we can't even foretell what's going to happen today, what about tomorrow? What about next week? Or the end of this year? Now, I've got a beautiful gadget which tells me the future. Did you know that? I know my friend Farkle here, he's got some as well. It's called the GPS. And when we go on our wild motorcycle adventures, okay, we switch on our GPSs, and I've got a beautiful one, and I don't get sponsorship for this, by the way. 
right? It's called the Garmin Zumo XT. It's a fantastic machine. It's much more clever than I am. And what it does is it gives me information about the unknown that I'm going into. It brings the unknown to me. It just gives me some more information. For example, it tells me what types of road we're going to ride on, whether they're gravel or secondary or main roads, highways, whatever. It tells me the topography, how steeply is it going to go up or down. It tells me where the fuel stations are for my motorbike. And more importantly, it tells me where the fuel stations are for us, the pies, the chips, and all the health food. It tells us, very importantly too, where the accommodation is, where we're going to be staying for the night and how far we are from that too. And so, in, in a way, my GPS gives me confidence and assurance. And now when I go and ride that route into the unknown, I know something of what's lying ahead for me. I don't know everything though. Otherwise, why go there? Faith is a bit like our GPS in life. It makes some of the unknown ahead of us known to us. And what should that faith look like? We're going to look at Abraham's example and how he experienced this. And yes, for you purists out there, I know Abraham wasn't called Abraham then, he was called Abram, but I'm not going to say that every time. Okay? I'm calling him Abraham, and if you don't like that, Abe. Okay. So let's look at a bit of a background. We read that earlier in the book of Genesis. And we saw that Abraham's father, Terah, and T-E-R-A-H, not T-E-R-R-O-R, -R, by the way, that Terah lived in Ur of the Chaldees. And, and today, it, that would be in southern Iraq, a village called Ur Kasdim. And at the time that Terah was living there, it was an established city. Now, for those who think that our forefathers lived in caves and grunted at each other, they had cities, these people, with walls. Cities with walls. They knew what civilization looked like for their day. And so Terah lived in the city. And on a day, God said to him, I want you to relocate your family to Canaan. We, we're not given the reason he was told to do that. We're not told anything else about the interaction between God and Terah. Just that. Take your family and move. And so, Terah takes his family and he starts moving, but he stops at this, this village called Haran, which wasn't a village, by the way. It was a city too. Why? Because it was on the crossroads. It was on the cross, crossroads um, in Upper Mesopotamia, now called Eastern Turkey. So he had moved quite a distance, but he stopped in Haran. And that is where Abraham grew prosperous. Abraham lived there for quite a while. He extended his family, not his own, by the way, through Sarah, but his extended family through slaves and others who worked for him. He built up, because those tribes had to build up armies to protect themselves, he built up quite an army of people. He built up flocks. He had a great amount of animals and livestock. And when he was 75 years old, God called Abraham. God? They didn't have much background on who God was. You see, Abraham had much less to go on than we have today. Today we've got the whole word of God. 
We've got the benefit of recorded experience of thousands of years of those who put their faith in God and who've come through life. But Abram had none of these. He wasn't born into a Christian family. He worshipped the moon with his family. He didn't grow up in a Jewish family knowing the Torah. It wasn't in existence then. Abraham is noted for his living by faith. The original word is katapistis. It is in shape with faith. Abraham's living was shaped by his faith. I'm going to repeat that. Abraham's living was shaped by his faith. What was the strongest thing? His faith. His faith was doing the shaping of his living. You see, instead of allowing this world and his world to dictate to him how to live, Abraham let his faith shape him and let his faith guide him in how to live. You see the difference? So what did that faith look like? And there's a few points here that we're going to hone in on a little bit. Verse 8. What does God say to him in verse 8? It was by faith that Abraham opened obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. You see, Abraham's faith was an immediate faith. God said, I want you to go and I will show you where you're going. So what did Abraham do? He called a committee together. They formed a subcommittee and they discussed this. And then they got a few consultants in and they got a few route maps and no it says Abraham said gather the, the, the people gather the animals we are going we're leaving it was immediate obedience and it was also immense obedience his faith was immense why because God said to him I want you to take all these things and as an immediate step of faith I want you to obey me and I will tell you where you're going. And so what did Abraham do? He said, yes, Lord, you've said what I must do, and so I obey you. What a lesson for the Hebrews that this was written for. You see, they were starting to doubt in Jesus Christ. They were starting to doubt that he was the way to go, and they were starting to hanker after the law. But what the writer here is saying to them, look, look at the example of Abraham. Just obey and follow Jesus. Do it now. And this was an immense faith. You see, he went without knowing where he was going. God didn't pull out a route map. God didn't pull out a GPS that he quickly invented there for him. To show Abraham this whole journey, he told Abraham to take the first step. And the rest of the steps were revealed as time went on. Abraham went and he didn't know where he was going. He just knew he had to go. And so God would have shown him the first place to go. And Abraham's job was to obey God in that first step. The rest would be revealed. I'm sure you're seeing the lesson here. You see, the Hebrew believers of this time that this is written for again, that far more light and knowledge of God through what Jesus Christ himself had also said, Plus they had the benefit of God's dealings with his people in their nation of Israel. And yet they were starting to doubt. And all God was saying to them through this writing was, just take the next step with me and I will show you the rest. What does that look like in our context? Do you think it's a big deal? 
All right. What about tonight when you go to bed, the Lord appears to you and says, I want you to go to the Ukraine and move to Kiev this week. You, would you go? Would you put your house up for sale? Book the air tickets? Get your shots? You see, that's what it was like for Abraham. We think it's, oh, it's okay. But if in our situation we were asked to go, would we? Abraham did. He said, let's go. Stop packing. Immediately. It was major. It showed immense faith that God had given him. Secondly, we see verse 9, what happens there. And even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. Now it jumps forward, it kind of condenses a whole lot of living and looks forward. And so what do we see here? We see a pilgrim's faith. You see, even when Abraham reached the place where God had shown him, that's the next step where God had shown him. What does he do? He doesn't settle down there and build a city. He's a city dweller, remember? He knows about city walls and foundations. No, it says he deliberately stayed living in tents. He knew he was just passing through. These Hebrew believers that that is written for were being drawn towards a more comfortable and a settled lifestyle by going back to Judaism and so being accepted once again by their Jewish community, by their families, because presently they were being rejected socially, financially, and even in their wider extended families. And by going back to Judaism, they didn't have to live as pilgrims anymore. But he reminds them through this writing, through this letter to them, you are to be pilgrims. You are to have a pilgrim's faith. And true pilgrim's faith reminds us that this world and everything it has and offers is not our final home. You and I need to hear this repeatedly in our ears. We're just passing through. We've got another passport to another country. Heaven is our home. God's kingdom doesn't cater for spiritual dual citizenship. Heaven is our real home. And so we mustn't get too settled down. How do we get settled down in this world? By our attitudes and by the way we spend our resources. And I speak to myself. Are we heavenly minded? Because we're just passing through. Don't settle down. Don't feather your nest too much. So he had a pilgrim's faith. Thirdly, we look at verse 10 as we move on. Abram was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. You see, Abram had a forward-looking faith. I love that. You see, true faith gives us spiritual long-sightedness. I can see further than if I didn't have that faith. And so Abe didn't leave his tents and build a city because he was confidently looking forward to the city that God had already built. He was confidently looking forward to, the, the literal translation is, with eager anticipation he was looking forward to. He couldn't wait for the city that God had built. So why would I build a city now? There's one waiting for me. A very special city. A city with eternal foundations. You see, there's permanence spoken about here, and there's a whole sermon here. There's permanence. You know, our foundations today, we've got to keep getting in people to kind of lift the, I don't know, your building or inspectors 
stuff you look at all the time. Oh, no, you're going to lift the piles, bro. It's not looking good. Permanence. The city the Lord builds will not change. Nothing will change. And there's substance here. It's not just temporary like everything else this world offers. The city the Lord builds has eternal foundations. And it's designed and built by God. This is the creative God with His power at work. And He has built a city. And it's designed and a suitability for those who will stay in it. It's made for us. And I love this. The, it's, it's written in the perfect tense. God has built it already. How's that possible? Well, Isaiah speaks about that. Jeremiah, the old prophet, speak about the zeal of the, of the Lord Almighty which will accomplish this. And that's always said in the perfect tense. It's done. Why? Because it's God speaking. Amazing. And so Abraham had wide horizons. He had a heavenly perspective. It was a forward-looking faith. You see, these Hebrew believers that this is being written to were being challenged by this. They were being challenged to see beyond the earthly temple and that, all those Levitical priesthood things they were wanting to get back to, those sights and sounds of this visible ritual. And they were being urged to look to that eternal, heavenly realities in Christ Jesus. They were being urged to allow the heavenly to be their reality. My brother and sister in Christ, I don't know where you're at in life this week, but is heaven your reality? Whatever's happening in front of you, do you see it with a heavenly perspective? Do you have a forward-looking faith? That's what we urge to have. Fourthly, Abraham showed a tenacious faith. We're going to look at verse 11 to 16. See what it says. It was by faith that even Sarah, just take note of those words, even Sarah, I'll come back to that now, was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promises. You see, for Abraham and Sarah, the circumstances weren't too good. This stage, Abraham was, as the scriptures describe him, as good as dead. It's not very encouraging. Not much was going to happen when it came to procreation. He was as good as dead. And even Sarah, oh yeah, she was old too. Past being able to do these things physically. And so there they are in human weakness before God. And so they thought, well, we'll help God along a little bit. And they brought their handmaiden, Hagar, the slave woman. And Sarah, it was Sarah's suggestion to Abraham, take Hagar and have a child because God has to keep his promise. Here we see humans doubting. They're like you and I, right? They're not perfect. They are doubting humans, making their own plans, helping God along a little bit. But they paid the price for that. Even till today, they pay the price for that. Arabs, Jews, they're still paying the price for that. And for 13 years, Abraham did not hear from the Lord when he did that. Because it's only after 13 years that the Lord again appeared to Abraham and said, now I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. There was silence in between. 
he paid. So circumstances weren't good, but despite these circumstances, says verse 12, God kept his promises. What did God do? And so a whole nation came from this one as dead man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. Do you see almighty God at work in the impossibility? You see, circumstances shouldn't dictate what God can do in our hearts. He's the God of impossibilities. And then let's carry on. It says, people died still believing, but not seeing the promises. People had heard these promises about Abraham, and the generations came and the generations go, and they saw some of these these promises fulfilled, but they didn't see the ultimate promise fulfilled. They died looking for these promises, but believing. And they were confident about its future fulfillment, says verses 13 to 16. Many saints since that time, in the time that you and I are living in now, have come and gone. I just passed, we just said goodbye to a dear brother this last week. It's come and gone. Has Jesus Christ reappeared yet? No. But we are confident in the promise. He will reappear. And so we die confident of the future too. All comes from here. Abram's faith. What were these people doing, verse 14? They were reaching forward to this promise. They were reaching forward to this other country that God had promised them. And the words there is, they were reaching forward anxiously. They were looking forward to the upgrade. They weren't happy to settle down with second best. It's a pity we get so happy with second best when the upgrade is ahead of us. They were looking forward to another country they can call their own. The word that's used in verse 16, which refers to this other country, is the word fatherland. You might have different versions in your Bible, but the Greek says patris. What do we get from that word? Pater, father. Patris, the home of the father. We are looking forward to the father's land. You see, they had a new father who demanded a new allegiance. What was, his, what was his demand on them? He says, I want you to journey until you get to your patras. Journey until you get to your fatherland. It is your inheritance, says verse 8. Isn't that amazing? And so the question is with you and I, are we happy to live in our little one-bedroom apartment when we've got the key to a whole mansion waiting for us? Oh, no, it's all right. I don't want that. I'm happy with my little bit here. It's an attitude of mind, you see. We are to have a tenacious faith, despite circumstances, looking forward to those promises that God has given us. And one of those is, we are going home. There's much more waiting for us. And then verse 16 has an interesting phrase there. Listen to this. They were looking forward for a better place, a heavenly homeland, That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I've never never seen that phrase before. God ashamed of us? Is that what it's saying? Ashamed before who? The other gods? No. God's not bothered with the other gods. Is he ashamed before people? No. Since when is God ashamed before people? He's ashamed for and Jealous for 
his own name and that being shamed. It's before himself he's jealous for his own name. And when we are obedient to him and he sees that faith which he gives to us and it's put into action, then God is glorified. His name is glorified before himself. That's what this is pushing towards. And so we need to have this tenacious faith. I need to push forward. We see it was an at all cost and a reasoned faith, verses 17 to 19. Look at this. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, it'll be through Isaac who your descendants will come. You see, what was Abraham's faith here? It was a great cost faith. Why? Because Abraham took what was most precious to him. What was most precious to Abraham? His son Isaac. Why? Not because of the boy, but because of what was promised through the boy. God's promises through the boy. And he gave this son back to God. Now, don't you see a bit of growth there in Abraham? Here's this ex-moon worshiper. And here he shows true faith in the one true God. And he shows us what that looks like, even through this ultimate test. And the test was, I want you to physically sacrifice your one and only son, the one through who all hope of human, the next human and future generation lies. I want you to give him back to me. You see, it didn't make human or logical sense. And it must have been extremely painful to Abraham. But what did he say? He said, God, I don't understand but I know you do. You see, this wasn't just a head faith. This was a knife faith. Abraham had a knife in his hand. His son was bound on the altar before him. He lifted his hand, says scripture, and he was about to kill his son, put his faith into action, and God stayed his hand. Do you see the faith? Of a man of God. It's not just a head faith. It was a living faith. It was God who held him back. And so it was an at all cost faith that he demonstrated here. Lord, you've said it. I will do it. It's costing, but I'll do it. He totally trusted God. So was just this blind faith? No. What did Abraham say well before that when Isaac asked him, Lord, where is the sacrifice? What did he say? The Lord will provide the sacrifice, my son. He didn't know where from because he hadn't brought an animal. He only had his son and he bound him on that altar. But he showed a reason faith. What was the reasoning he showed? And I love it there in verse 19. What did, in 18 and 19, what does it say? Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Woo! Old Testament! He didn't have this. The moon worshiper so believed God that he said, God, you are such a big God that I serve that I know that if you take my son, you can give him back. Somehow you will do it. Because I believe in you, great God. You see, it wasn't a blind faith. It was a reasoned faith. And his God was the God of impossibilities because God would take the impossible and make it possible. 
And as he put that faith into action, in a sense, Abraham, says scripture, received his son Isaac back from the dead. What would have happened? We can only speculate if he hadn't had that type of faith. Now, in brackets, I just want to make this statement. There's a picture here too as well. As Abraham was there demonstrating his faith in this living God by offering his precious son back to God, he was pointing forward to another picture. Do you see the picture? You see, Abraham was made in, he was a creation of the living God, right? And so he was made in the image of God, and he was just reflecting the love of God. In a picture he didn't understand himself even, but we do with hindsight. Because later in history, the same unchanging God who was there with Abraham would give us his precious son. Jesus was God's precious son. And Jesus would die in our place. And the same unchanging God would bring his own son back from the dead. Because he was the creator of life itself. The one who controls death. What amazing faith. Now, what do we do with that? We're at the so what. So you can wake up again. Here we go. Alright. And I've created a whole new word just for you this morning. So that we can try and remember these things. You see, um, I know I have these discussions often with Dave, my friend here. We, we hear words which sound, I know they're English, but they're not said like English. So the word faith, if you say, if you say, perfect, uh, fast, all right, it sounds like a word perfect. Does God want us to have perfect faith? No, 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 no. We aren't to have perfect faith. He will make us perfect. We are just to have faith. But the faith he gives us is this perfect faith. Now, you can look that up in your Bible. You're not going to find this one. All right? But listen to me. Just follow through with me. This is just a way of trying to remember what we've looked at this morning. And I want you to kind of burn it somehow into your head. So you've got perfect faith. Perfect faith. All right. Here we go. It's a pilgrim's faith. P. Remember, you're just passing through. Have a sojourner's attitude in life. Whatever's going to happen this week, the Lord has brought us His Word to us today for some reason. Remember, whatever happens this week, you're a sojourner. You're a traveler. Secondly, when the Lord says something to you this week or in the following weeks, respond immediately and with immense faith by taking that first step with God. If He says, do this, do it now and do whatever he tells you to do then. Don't worry about the rest of the picture. God will show you as time goes. Just obey him immediately. I don't know what's lying ahead for us. Have a reasoned faith. We sang about him this morning. We can have a reasoned faith, you see. Our God is big, powerful, the creator God. He can do everything. And so we need to have a reasoned faith. He's the God of all power. He has the power over life and death. What else can happen to us? Nothing. All happens between life and death and life. And God is control of that. 
So have a reason, faith, trust in a big God. Whatever's going to happen to us in the coming months ahead, we are to have a forward-looking faith. There's my next letter. You see it's starting to make sense now? Perfect. A forward-looking faith. A faith looking forward to the city designed and built by God. Lord, my prayer is give me heavenly horizons on everything that you do. Show me a heavenly perspective. We are to have an at-all-cost faith. We are to be willing to give up what is most precious to us. And we've all got that thing in our hearts, that most precious thing. Our attitude is to be nothing in my hand I bring, nothing. Simply to thy cross I cling. And who am I speaking there to? Jesus Christ, who died there for me and who rose again. Simply to you I cling, Jesus. And lastly, Prafat, the T, we are to have a tenacious faith. We are to persevere in our faith despite circumstances. I don't know what lies ahead. I know the economy is not looking good. But God is in control. You see, this type of faith takes us into the unknown, but into, in the hands of a known God with known promises. So we don't know nothing. We know a great God who's made great promises. And so we don't go blindly into this future. We go forward with the seeing eyes of faith. And we know the outcome of our faith. It's secure in Christ. We know our future. We just don't know all the future. We need to trust God. He will fill in the details. We've got to leave it there. Yes? I pray that as you go into this week, I've been memorizing this perfect all week so I don't have it in my head. Because I want to have a faith that's described like that. We can aspire to that, but who is it that gives us that faith in the end? God gifts us that faith. But we, know, we need to know where we're heading, right? This faith that he describes. I'm going home. Over Jordan, I'm going home to see my Lord. No more pain, no more dying on my way to heaven's home. Though these ears may hear the dangers, though these feet may falter slow, Give me eyes, the eyes of faith, Lord. Eyes that see that city gold. Give me eyes, the eyes of faith, Lord. Eyes that see that city gold. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes. To see Jesus. Open our eyes. To see our future. Open our eyes God. To see that you are the great almighty God. That we are not alone in this world. That you have said to us. Have faith in me. And I will look after you. I will be the one who gives you your inheritance. I will look after you. I will bring you through. 
I will take you to that city which I have prepared already for you. Now, give us faith, Lord. We plead with you. Let us not settle down into this world, but know that we are only traveling through and we will be with you forever. Keep us walking and following Jesus, I pray. Amen.